Paddock Rallycast. This is episode 47. This week we talk with Al Dantes Jr. who braved the wintry conditions of the Snowdrift Rally, round one of the American Rally Association National Rally Championship. We talked about the freezing temps causing multiple technical difficulties, crazy road conditions, and how his friends in the Tower City race team did at the event. We finish up with our take on WRC's Monte Carlo Rally that also wrapped up this past weekend. This is Open Paddock, the Rallycast. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the Open Paddock Rallycast. I'm your host, Spike Shaw, and with me is our co-presenter who's currently holed up like a bear waiting for the thaw, Ian Holmes. Ian, how you doing? Uh, $17.28, $17.29, oh, oh, hi, Mike, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, um, as you say, we're holed up in the cold here, and I'm just counting my life savings to see if I can afford an Audi R8, because, uh, as you know, <laughs> as you know, I think know, you're a little I, ways off with the, uh, $17 a, change there. Yeah, just a touch, because, as you know, I was offered the, uh, navigator seat in an R8 at the Minnesota winter rally by a fellow brit keith walker that was a week and a half ago i mean what can i say about that car i mean this is one of the world's preeminent supercars it's a car that at motor shows it sits on a dais and you can't get anywhere near it you know on the racetrack it's won its class at all the world's major endurance races but is it any good as a tsd car no <laughs> you guys kind of failed huh oh uh, we we finished we finished dead last but uh that didn't matter you know we, we started off okay and we had a first a good first stage but the second stage was like it was on loose gravel and um there were lots of big stones being thrown up by yeehaw local yeehaws in their trucks and stuff off to their ice fishing houses so uh so keith was a bit nervous about uh stone chips on the paintwork and smashing a windscreen you know what four thousand dollars to replace a windscreen on an on an audi r8 and uh it was all there was also the the worry of getting stones in the ceramic brakes and uh Let's just say you don't want to know how much that it would cost to have so a, a brake job. It's a supercar that yeah. really to own it isn't so super. Uh, well, I mean, if I, mean I, I guess if you're in the hot, dry climate with mm. a, a pristine environment around you where no dust or dirt or rocks or what. Yeah, that's kind of anti-rally, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> the thing is, like, he, you know, it's the same with a lot of car enthusiasts. You know, you love to drive you love cars and you'll take if you love to drive your car and you love to show it off then you take it places where you wouldn't normally take it you know i've done that with the mg and i'm down i'm pretty certain i will do that with a model t ford at some point you know but uh, you know it was it was it was fantastic it was an incredible car and the scenery on the minnesota winter rally i mean it was fantastic. I mean, it reminded me of Rally Sweden in places. You've got this pristine stretch of packed snow-packed road with banks on either side, waving its way around the trees. It was it was fantastic. Oh, Wonderful day. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, yeah, I say we finished dead last with about 140,000 points, but uh, that really didn't matter. Well, you know, that's one of the things that's cool about TSDs that people don't realize. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's a road rally, not a stage rally, but you get to see some of those beautiful areas. The people that organize these really pick awesome roads. Absolutely, yeah. Tim Tim Winker, out of uh, out of Duluth, he organized it, and yes, big credit to Tim for coming up with these these roads. It was it was fantastic. And uh, Laurie, my wife and I, we actually went out and rode those 
that drove those roads the day after just for pleasure because yeah. they were beautiful. It was and, and you fantastic... probably didn't know that that was an awesome route to go beforehand. But no. after doing this rally, now you're like, wow, I need to remember this route as a scenic drive. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Great stuff. All right. Well, that's awesome that uh, you got to go ride in the R8. Sorry that you got dead last, but... We're going to talk to uh, somebody that got to speak with some winners over the weekend, and that's Al Dantes Jr. So we're right back with Al Dantes. Al, welcome back to the show. The uh, not quite, but almost substitute voice of ARA. How you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, good evening. Nice to talk to you. Uh, so you actually got to brave the conditions that were uh, the Snowdrift Rally this weekend. Um, just quick overview. Overview. It's your first time there. What did you think of the experience? Very, very cool. Uh, pardon the pun. Um, but yeah, first time in Atlanta, Michigan. Uh, really cool setup organization. Uh, it ran like clockwork. Uh, the geography of the the actual rally is amazing. It's, it's kind of like um, a flower with three blooms on it, with Atlanta being in the center and has all these amazing stages scattered perfectly around the town and, and the two neighboring towns of Lewiston and Hillman. Uh, I'd always heard it was compact, but it's amazing. It, every stage is within probably 10 or 15 minutes of Atlanta, so that was really cool. It sounds like a lot of fans came out, too. That was insane. Um, they they have this uh, spectator guide that's distributed all over town, and it's a, it's a square fold, and you open it up, and the entire rally... Every stage, every Marshall spotter intersection is labeled on it, and it's distributed, and there's not a single spot that you could go to where there isn't somebody or a spectator. Extremely well-behaved. The town loves to have the rally there. Um, I didn't see any, any spectator problems, and I, I went to quite a few uh, unofficial spectator spots, and it, it, it was... Uh, it's quite the community. It's quite the um, experience. You know, everybody was 24 below on on the second day, and still the the park expose was packed. So it was really really awesome. Obviously, even just going into the event, we know it's a winter rally, um, but there is already some severe weather. Just people trying to get there. Yeah, we had to, we had a uh, five hours north of Atlanta. Um, so it's kind of strange. You can drive, you can drive 10, 10 hours across Michigan and still not cut, touch the corners of it. But we ran a convoy out of Launce. Uh, my little brother, Elwood Nimi was competing in his first national with a, he's got a Volkswagen GTI. Um, so we, we, uh, left Launce area and then we were supposed to rendezvous with Adam Van Dam and Jake Carlson with the Volkswagen rabbit. But Adam has a history of being a little slow. In preparation, so uh, his uh, meet you at the bridge turned into, hey, guys, come over to my house and help me load up the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time we did finally get to the bridge, he's like, okay, I haven't eaten in two days, and can we stop for food? And well, okay, so we're... It, uh, yeah, the ride down, not too bad. Um, no, you did yeah. better than those trying to fly there, because... Uh... Between oh. Matt and, and our, our friend, the photographer, Tedrick, and, and other folks, man, there were flight delays galore. Because you, you have to route through Detroit uh, to get there, and oh, man, 
it was just horrible. Uh, there were just constant delays. Um, was it uh, Alex Gelsomino? His uh, luggage got lost, so he ended up having to borrow a helmet and uh, a race suit from somebody, I believe. Uh, thankfully got that taken care of, but wow, it just crazy, crazy weather in that uh, region. But uh, glad you guys got down there okay, though. Yep, we had no incidents uh, other than just getting the entire uh, Tower City Race team together. So once once we got that done, um, everything was good. Registration was good, and everybody went out for dinner and had a good first night. So, you know, we had about, oh, I think it was like 32, 33 entries or something like that for this event. Is that right? I think 34 started. Okay, 34 started. Uh, I remember there were a couple of issues of people were adapting to the ARA regulations because of the first time that Snowdrift has been part of ARA. Um, it was definitely the one that had to cram the most because it was kind of a last-minute deal for them to get in on the schedule. Um, but it sounds like, as you were saying, the uh, organizers, you know, really did a good job making sure the event was going to run smooth. Um, did I, I know there's some folks that had issues like not having the, what, the turbo monitor things hooked up or, or you know, the access ports, is that what it was? Yeah, the uh, teams are the turbo cars are required to have an eighth inch NPT uh, fitting or an access hole in the near their intake manifold, and and a few of them didn't. But uh, before the end of the end of tech inspection, they had it all sorted out. It, it was my first time going to tech inspection and having fun. You know, usually as a competitor, that's usually your uh, most high stress point before the event because you know what did I forget? What you know did I I remember this or, you know, there's any small thing that you could have missed could disqualify you from the event. And um, I went and spent four hours there um, just gathering news, meeting the teams, checking out the cars, writing notes. Uh, it's really cool. The organizers and the volunteers actually brought um, kind of like a potluck. So there was even food there for themselves and the competitors. It was a very cool environment. So anything uh, stand out for you? I know one of the things you were uh, uh, trying to get at the beginning uh, before the rally started was uh, kind of some livery information. Did you have a specific favorite? <laughs> Probably the scary, I shouldn't say scary, but um, there was um, Mike Perzicki there. He showed up with a brand new build. It was a two-door Jeep Cherokee. And back in the 80s and 90s, he ran a Jeep Scrambler with a big block in it. And he ran it in four-wheel drive. And once Rally America was around, they don't allow big blocks. And ARA doesn't allow big blocks. So he built this Cherokee. Um, I interviewed him. I believe he was 66 years old. But I helped him take the Jeep off the trailer. And just as the vehicle came off the trailer, the fuel, the fuel pump died on it. And four hours later, they still were not able to get it to run. They worked on it all night. And then 10.30 a.m. on race day, they finally got a, a ECU trigger for, to get the fuel pump to start the vehicle. And it, it, like I said, it was his first race back in, in a very long time. So that was a, one of the highlights and lowlights of tech inspection was getting to watch that go down. But when you see a 66-year-old rally driver excited and then you know his entire hopes dashed on on a brand new build that he had done and right and then mm -hmm. 
Um, spoiler alert! But he actually finished the event, so that was very, very cool. Yeah, and that was the that was that was a lime green color, was it? Yep. He had, yeah. You, uh, you you had certainly noticed that one in the snowbanks. <laughs> yeah. And he had the same livery on his Jeep Scrambler back in the '90s, so it was. Oh right. As soon as you, as soon as you came around the corner and seen that Jeep, you knew ex- exactly whose it was. So you obviously got a chance to uh, go out and see the stages and uh, drive on drive on a couple of them. That's usually part of the process there. Uh, give us an idea of what the roads were like. Yeah, I'd gone out um, since Matt Kalish wasn't there yet because of his troubles at the airport. Um, I went out by myself, and, and uh, like I said, they had that amazing map. I got out there, and I started driving the roads, and you're, you're – you know, we're doing 30, 35 through the woods, and <laughs> those snowbanks, they were two or three feet tall, but, man, it's you, you, those trees are so close to the road, and you're going up and down valleys and over hills, and it's it's spooky. The roads are amazing, but, man, to be able to drive on that ice and snow at any any faster than 35, is, it's got to be a trip. Not, I know I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't jealous of the guys going out there to to do battle. Yeah, that's a, but you had the nice snowbanks. I mean, that can definitely be a help in in some ways, right? You can bounce off them, but on the other hand, they can kind of suck you in a bit, right? <laughs> and it's it's really interesting. And I was told this back in 2012 when I first bought my car because of that previously competed at snowdrift and. The old guard will tell you, and they they just keep repeating it as slow as fast, slow as fast. If you don't get stuck in a snowbank, you'll win by 10 minutes. It's that simple. <laughs> don't get stuck in a snowbank, and you'll win. Well, you know, being younger, you don't listen. But you get to the end of the event, and you look at the results, and there's nobody who completes the event without getting stuck in some snowbank. But that's that's how the separations are. As you can see, oh, man, if I hadn't been in that snowbank for five minutes or six minutes, you know, I would have won. And every single competitor will say that. It's like, oh, I could have won if I hadn't done this or I hadn't done that. And and the old guys just smile and go, yeah, told you, slow as fast. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, so get ready to run things. And uh, you're there at that park expose. And I'm sure you were getting all ready to announce the uh, round one of the American Rally Association a national rally championship presented by Amsoil, as I tried to get you to remember several times, and uh, <laughs> some technical difficulties, it seems, huh? Yeah, the the pressure had been building for a couple weeks. It was finally game time. I had all, I'd done all my prep. I had my notes. I let all the teams know, quarter after three, be by your cars. I'm coming by. Be ready. We're going to be doing this fast and furious and... Uh, they were all queued up, and and we got the equipment ready, and we did a mic check, and we got the calibration, and Matt looked down, and the batteries were already dead. It was less than maybe three minutes long, and we were done. And it's, oh, it was just heartbreaking, and the teams had a driver's meeting at 3.30, so Matt ran inside and tried to warm the equipment up so that we could get, some, get a live broadcast going before the... Uh, the actual start of the rally and, and still 45 minutes later, the equipment still hadn't powered up and the fun was on. 
(laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the world of trying to do live media. (laughs) It is not easy, man. It is not easy. But you did the prep work, so that's cool. Um, So, obviously, Park Exposé, uh, if I remember right, I was reading that it was like one of the coldest Park Expos on record. I can't remember if that was day one or day two, but man... That looked pretty darn frigid. Uh, I believe you had a frozen goat beard, you called it? <laughs> yeah, the goat sickle. <laughs> goat sickle, that's what it was, the goat sickle. Oh, man. Yeah, it was uh, the town of Lewiston. It, it kinda, it's a very, very small town, but it's, it, well, I don't know how it looks when it's not covered in snow, but the, they had uh, the center, center lane in town is a, got a big median in it and the side streets look like um, almost like old western saloon type buildings and tall tall department stores from the 1800s and um, it looked really nice they had all the contingency sponsors lined up with huge flags and awesome you walked around walked around the corner to see the cars and it's like wow that's really nice and then here come a 40 mile an hour breeze <laughs> with that with the wind chill and I was like, go! Oh. I I never I thought I was pretty proud of the new hat I'd gotten just for snowdrift, and then I realized, you know, the thousand spectators had gotten the same hat as well. <laughs> <laughs> Not so unique anymore. How oh, well? Yeah, <laughs> the, the, only the best in youper fashion. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, um, obviously the crazy wind, crazy snowbanks. Tell us uh, some kind of day one results. What were the happenings after uh, day one there? Um, day one, um, not too much. Uh, I remember, I think it was day one that somebody had a stick that went into their radiator, but they still kept going. Yeah, that was actually the Jeep of Przyzicki. He, um, I don't know if it stopped him on stage. But yeah, we seen the next day when he was at Expose, he was he was too scared to pull the stick out, kind of like when you see the old Western movies when a guy gets shot with an arrow, they don't want to pull the arrow out or all the blood will come out. So he had added um, stop leak and stuff to the radiator and hoped that it would seal around the stick. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was a little different. I've I've had uh, three incidents on similar when i've been rallying but um i use a different product and i've had very good success and well i should say i've never put a stick through the center of it but <laughs> <laughs> well i was gonna say that well that, there you go kids just remember you know leave the stick in there <laughs> it, it seems to work he did make it to the finish that's for sure uh it's kind of hard to overheat when it's 24 below <laughs> yeah that's what i was thinking i'm yeah. like you know it, it does need to have some sort of fluid running through there but not a lot. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, you know, day one, uh, anything else that stood out as far as, uh, well, isn't it the night of day one where the, uh, that big bonfire alley stage runs? Nope. That stage is actually the very last stage of the rally. So that's. Oh, what... I see. Yeah. Well, it's nice to see it back because uh, it disappeared for a year, if I recall. So um, that was cool yeah. to see that one back. Um I guess, what was kind of some of the most memorable moments for you uh, being at this rally? Again, your first time there, uh, you know some of the competitors. They're kind of from the same region. Yeah, we did um, the Park Exposé, and then the sun went, well, that was started at 3.30. 
um, and the snowdrift organizers uh, adapted and they said, well, would you like to announce our start line? You know, kind of like the ceremonial start. So I went over in the Red Bull truck, gave me a microphone and I started doing that and we got to the fifth car and their generator exploded on the Red Bull truck. And Boy, you're having all kinds of uh, luck with uh, electronic equipment over the weekend. <laughs> Gosh, it never rains, but it pours, eh? Good God. <laughs> yeah, they didn't let me drive the media Jeep either. I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, right. Huh? I'm kind of worried about this podcast me. now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, man. So, so you got to do some uh, intros there, at least for a little bit. Um it seemed like to start out with that uh, Barry McKenna just kind of, you know, him and his R5 was just kind of dominating uh, right from the start there. Uh, I didn't think power would make a big difference on this rally. Like you said, slow is typically fast, but he definitely was well ahead of uh, Peter Fatella and uh, the guys in the Subarus. Yep. Yeah, we went out to stage three um, and... Turbo Terra and Jalopy Jake were out there, some of the famous photographers from the Midwest. Um, but yeah, we, we set up on a real nice corner and and immediately, you know, stage three, you could see McKenna came through real clean. Patella um, was two minutes behind him. And then all of a sudden there were different cars missing. There was already two minute gaps here and there. Um, Snowdrift, you know, even with, even with the good amount of snow in the snowbanks this year, there was still super, super slippery. And, um, yeah, third stage, it was already dark. There was six stages total on the first night. So they ran three stages, uh, came in for a 45-minute service. Kiana had gone out on the first stage. I think she only made it eight corners before her car actually shut off or there was a failure. She wasn't too happy about it. You know, you start a national event and make it eight corners and you're done. Um, she was a, she wasn't, um, she wasn't too excited about going out after, after service. She could have, you know, with a penalty, um, but with the cold temperatures and the wind blowing and the car already leaving them out in the woods once on the day that she was ready to, to bring it in for the night and restart in the morning. Yep. And later on in the in the event, uh, I don't know if her exhaust fell off or what, but all of a sudden her Fiesta was sounding pretty darn fierce. You you expect you were expecting to see something big, huge, and mean coming around the corner, and here's Kiana just flying by. <laughs> Change of pace for her. Well, uh, so you know, again, kind of I guess getting back into uh, uh, Barry McKenna and Leon Jordan. So they got their Fiesta R5, and it didn't quite make it to the end. Uh, I think I heard something about transmission. Uh, do you have any more insight as to what caused their transmission issue? No, I I talked to a few people on their team. Um, half of them said it was perfect. The other half gave me a funny look, and I think they were just hoping and hoping that it would. Uh, make it through the event and um later on we find out that it, it didn't make it through the the first loop of the second day but uh yeah that we didn't know what their issue was because their times were good everything looked good as they were coming by us and you know not much to report there i think leon jordan said it best it's like was one uh was it third gear sounded a bit crunchy <laughs> <laughs> 
crunchy is never a good description for a uh, transmission. <laughs> uh, those gears spinning around inside of a transmission, and you hear crunchy in there. Mm. Uh, yeah, bad things happen quickly. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but those that did make it to the end, uh, just kind of go through some of the results here because uh, I guess one of the other challenges you guys had is ARA is now doing their own new database system for all the scoring, right? So I think a lot of people are like, going, oh, let's go to the uh, rally data and see if we can get times. Oh, it's not there. Um, where are the times? Let's go to ARA's website. Well, they don't have it quite there yet either. And again, a lot of this stuff was kind of last minute because Snowdrift happened sooner than what they had planned their first event to be, which is going to be 100 Acre Wood, right? So uh, I'm guessing there was a little bit of scrambling to try and get everything into that new system. Yeah, and I got to... I got the the ugly scene of getting to watch the wizard behind the curtain and the eight people sitting there till I believe it was after 12:30 at night on the first day just crunching numbers, reviewing time cards, verifying everything was right before the scores came out and you know you, you think okay it's a time card you fill it out everything's good punching the numbers ching ching rock and roll well once you start running it through a software, and if you're going to do it correctly, uh, the new software they're using actually kicks out flyers. You know, it's going to show, okay, you were this many seconds um, per mile, and then all of a sudden you'll see a one-minute flyer, and then go, okay, let's get this time card out and review it. And that's the thing was they were working the bugs out with that to make gotcha. sure that everything was was good, and it was slow, it was painful, but. At the end, they they knew they did it right, and so it's kind of, kind of like a built-in like error checking system. So it noticed that something that looked a little out of whack. Yep, and it kicks That's it out cool. bright yellow and goes, "You might want to look at this." That is really cool, actually. I'm 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 very impressed to hear that. And the the old system is, you know, the time stands unless somebody protests it. Well, they. Nobody likes to protest another competitor, and yeah. not all of us are looking at another competitor's times. We're just, you know, you don't realize, oh, he got a two-minute flyer, and that's why he beat me. And the only way you're gonna you're gonna get that fixed is to protest them. And while well, the rally family, most of us don't like to protest each other. Well, let's kind of just go over some of the results. So with uh, the McKenna team, uh, McKenna Motorsports being out of the mix, uh, that brought Peter Fatella and Dominic. Josviak or Josviak? I don't know how you pronounce his last name. I'm going to butcher it, but Dominic, we'll just say that, um, in first place overall. Uh, Cam Steely and Preston Osborne, who we'll have on the show tomorrow, we're going to do a separate show with them, came in second from ODD Racing. And number 81, Travis Neeson, Matt James, they end up in third overall, which I think that's their first overall podium. So congratulations to uh, to Travis Neese on that. Um, and I believe he finished the second day mostly with just two-wheel drive. <laughs> so, yeah. A big challenge for him on that one. Uh, now, we don't have an open four-wheel drive trophy class anymore, right? So it's just overall results uh, for the Nationals. Um, I think the same for regionals, too. So uh, a few less trophies to give out, but it seemed kind of redundant at times when you had a mostly open four-wheel drives tended to finish on the overall. So... Um, Limited four-wheel drive, of course, Cam and Preston in first, Travis and Matt in second, and then uh, in 
third place in limited four-wheel drive. We had uh, Ella Barda, I think you say it, and Karina Roche in a Pro Drive. Was that a Group N Subaru from Pro Drive? Yep. His, his name is actually Ellie Barda. Ellie Barda, okay. Really cool guy. Extremely personable. Um, I had done a little background work on him before I met him. And uh, the whole weekend, he was extremely nice. Never had any kind of ego about who he was. But, man, I hope to see him around some more. He's a very nice. Um, and, and not to mention the car. The car was actually previously campaigned by David Higgins in the in the British Rally Championship. So. Oh, really? And Ooh. Well, that's picked, a pretty yeah. cool car. I guess I'd have to look up uh, like the serial number on that one or something and uh, <laughs> see which ProDrive build it is. So, <clears throat> so, so... Um, where I guess did he travel here to compete in this event? Does he live in the states now? Uh, give us a little bit on uh, on Ella. Ellie is Ellie, actually sorry. he he owns a stunt company for for movie productions. He's oh, done kick a lot ass! Of, uh, is it White Boy Ricky or something like that? The newest movie. Um, but he's done work with Robert Redford and Matthew McConaughey and all those. And his co-driver uh, girlfriend is. A very famous stunt woman um, does a lot of stunt double work and stuff like that. And he had purchased this car off Christian Falapa, who was on Hoonigan's Wanted, who was a previous uh, rally driver. He did a couple rallies out of Detroit. Um, so all a small circle. It all worked around, but uh, he was able to buy this car. He, I don't know if it's painted or wrapped, but he purposely did. It's it's a throwback livery to the old 90s Impreza uh, except done in red instead of blue so it's really nice uh, the ECU sounds amazing like even I've got, I got uh, a video of him at the super special where he's going through the full launch control with the anti-leg on it and it just sounds spot on perfect and it's and he the the coolest thing is he finished so well but um doing all my work at the ATCs and MTCs, there were so many reports of him just stopping and pulling people out, pulling out two-wheel drive cars and stuff like that. So for a oh, guy to, so cool. to finish well, even after pulling out cars, and like I say, he had no ego. He was out there to have fun and complete his first rally, and it was so awesome to see they were able to do it. So, so it's the first ever mm. rally for them. That's so cool. Yeah. Love to see that. And, well, yeah, definitely hope to see uh, more of that out there. That's that's really killer. I did the podium interview with him, and he he pretty much just said, he's like, oh, I know where all my money's going now. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we hooked him. Uh, yes. That's what I love to see. Love to hear that. That's brilliant, brilliant. Um, switching over to the top three in the um, – actually, no, I'm going to skip to open two-wheel drive because – uh, we got to talk about uh, number 845, Sean McDonald and Jonathan Canis in their 96 yep. Civic. They ended up fourth overall in that damn thing? There's actually an amazing story there. Um, two years ago um, was his first rally ever, which was Snowdrift, and he's from the town of Atlanta. Atlanta, Atlanta is super, super small, Atlanta, Michigan. Um, but, yeah, he built this car Probably took him two or three years. Got a built a, a really nice, I think it's over 250 horsepower Honda motor in a Civic. 
still fits in the group, but was previously group two, now open two wheel drive. Um, saved up the money, got some AL 34 tires and, um, he just knows these roads and he's just silly fast. He's been waiting his entire life to compete there. And two years ago he did it. And just before the end of the first night, I think he was second overall, not in two wheel drive, mm-hmm. second overall in the snow drift national last Good year. Grace. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Two years ago, he ended up uh, stuffing ago. it in a snowbank for nine minutes and then still came back and won the national against all the, the national cars. Um, so then uh, he had moved on and went to do a 100-acre wood, uh, had horrible luck there, went to Ohio, had horrible luck, and pretty much had to cash out and recover. <clears throat> this is his first event back, brand-new co-driver. Like I said, um, Sean, great guy. He has the Punisher on the hood of the car. He's the hometown hometown guy comes out smokes everybody first night but rookie co-driver a little excited checks him in five minutes early at the first oh, oh. they didn't know anything about it so they got a five minute penalty going into the second day um, i'm still not sure if they knew when they started but he tells me he's like, yeah. He goes, I got that back on the first stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, yeah. wow! That's Incredibly awesome. fast, and and uh, even you know a, a two hundred and fifty horsepower Civic. You can hear that sucker coming through the woods, and he had he knows how to use snowbanks. It's just amazing to watch him drive because God knows when you're driving a two-wheel drive car on snow and ice, if you hit the brakes, it does nothing. If you hit the steering, it does nothing. If you hit the gas, it does nothing. But still, this guy drives faster than, well, what you say, fourth overall? Yeah. He's faster than 90% of the Subarus out there in a two-wheel drive Civic. So that's those, a really cool V-Tech thing. Those motors, when you string them out, they sound so great, don't they? <laughs> At first, really... you're kind of worried. You're like, what is this coming through the woods? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome stuff. Um, second in open two wheel drive, and yet you know a little bit farther down the list. Uh, well, you know seventh overall, not not bad. Um, Brad Morris and Doug Nagy, I think you pronounce that. They're in a Mitsubishi Lancer. Yep. And Doug Nagy is a world renowned rally builder out of uh, Los Angeles or somewhere out there. He owns Streetwise Motorsports. Ah, Streetwise, I heard of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he actually built this car. It was the first event on the car. It's a Mitsubishi Lancer. Um, but for years, Brad Morris, out of the Carolinas, he's ran a Group 5 Lancer, which was like 300 horsepower. And speaking with him, he said, well, the, the actual chassis was getting worn and it was getting old, so he said it was time for a new one. So they had this built up, and they still hadn't even put a race motor in it. So this event, event they had... Uh, at first, he told me 140 horsepower, and the next time I talked to him, it was 145. And I think at the final podium, he told me 150. I'm like, man, that thing's getting broken in well. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, it's like a fish story. Great. Love it. Yep. It gets bigger every time you tell it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in third place in open two-wheel drive is uh, Colin Robinson, Ricardo Gonzalez. 
Yeah, 2011, uh, they're part of the Honda Performance Development Team uh, in the CRZ. Now, is this the KRZ, the one with the K-Swap? Yep. And oh, they God, that thing sounds great. They, um, to, to fix their body damage from Ojibwe. Uh, Which they is put a big panels. off, by the way. I was there. Yep, I was actually the car behind them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they covered the car in charcoal paint, so, or chalkboard paint. So oh, that, chalkboard. Uh, huh. Yeah. So the, uh, at the expose, they just put chalk up on the windshield and on the, on the hood of the car, and anybody who wanted to write, write, write on it could. Uh, most of it wasn't fit for print, and they were, <laughs> the spectators were actually surprised when he took the start line. They're like, they left that on there. And it's like, no, you wrote it on there, and he's going <laughs> to. <laughs> Most of it, most of it was there at the finish, so that was really cool. I, I would say it, it would have been even worse if it was end of rally party night and that car was, you know, needing a livery. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. You know, maybe maybe we'll do that at a hundred acre wood if he shows up. It should be a little bit warmer there. I'm praying. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. I will pray with you because I'll be at that one. So <laughs> um, let's. Uh, so so yeah. Um, well, great, great job by them uh, making it to the finish. Uh, again, challenging rally. Love the sound of that car, too. Moving over to the naturally aspirated four-wheel drives, we have uh, John Kramer and Jason Smith ended up uh, topping the podium there. Yep, the heavy metal crew. Um, their hashtag is uh, dense before dishonor. So <laughs> I like it. Time, they've got that thing pegged out. Even every start line, they're just revving it out and, um, I always expect to see them on the podium. I actually expected them to be on the overall podium, but they got stuck in a snowbank for an extended amount of time. And uh, the funny thing was there was they were so down and out. They were having a beer at the banquet, eating their dinner, and they didn't even look up when we called for the podiums. And somebody had to go back inside the building and say, hey, guys, you guys won. You might want to come outside. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can say... That's not the first time I've seen that happen, uh, for sure, for sure. Um, and then it was, uh, I think it was husband-wife team, the Angles, ended up in second in naturally aspirated four-wheel drive. That was actually father-daughter. Oh, father-daughter, that's... And that was her her first time crow driving, but uh, yeah, Mike Engel, and he's um, supported by Understeer R&D out of Jackson, and amazing car. He's got a couple of them. He keeps putting dents in them, so he rotates his stock. And <laughs> this year, he this car used to be a, a, a metallic yellow. Now it's got a metallic copper wrap on it. It's it's looks just like a brand new penny. So it's it's pretty sharp. And then uh, third in that naturally aspirated four wheel drive, Jordan uh, was it Losher? Is that how you say it? And Thomas Addison and Jordan Locker. Locker. Yeah. That was actually a really cool story because we had um, my little brother Elwood. He had one of his uh, fellow competitors from off-road with Lucas Oil Series out of Crandon and Bark River. He was helping us out this weekend, and just before the event, he he's well, he's always looking to buy a rally car, and he's always on Craigslist. Well, he found this car on Craigslist the day of the event. We're like, uh. And what it said was, um, boyfriend got arrested, 
we need bail money, just built this rally car, somebody please buy it now, 4000 bucks. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he didn't go to jail because his car is at Park Exposé, but... <laughs> So I went and chased him down, and he said, yeah, his, his best buddy that couldn't come to the event thought it was a good idea to, to post his car for sale while he was out on recce. So <laughs> that was the other kicker was he used his real phone number in the ad. So his oh, phone, no. as he's doing recce, you know, everybody wants to buy this Subaru rally car for $4,000. So for those guys <laughs> to have a clean event same thing they ended up pulling out a lot of two-wheel drive cars and the finish on the national podium their first event just amazing but that's snow drift and, and like i said in the beginning slow is fast and you know makes you wonder you know if they hadn't pulled out other cars or spent time in the snowbank they very well could have won won their class you know first tryout looks sounds like they had a lot of fun um and then Finishing up on the national side, we had number 256, Robert Sanders and Mikey Mattel, I guess, in their little uh, Fiesta ST. So, you know, limited two-wheel drive, that is mostly stock. And these two guys that you're going to love to meet these guys. They're, this is the, a brand-new build. Um, Brian Thompson of TRF, Thompson Race Fabrication, built them this car. He just finished it two weeks ago. It's a, a Fiesta ST, I believe. But... Uh, I met him right before we did the awards, and the guy's name is Mikey Metatol. And they, and they said, just remember, you met a tall guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you obviously didn't forget. That's awesome. But there's some bigger gentlemen, and they're, you know, I, I won't say jolly old farts, but they're probably not less than anyway. But <laughs> it's all good. Really nice guys. They're going to be uh, hopefully a good asset to the rally community for for a few years to come. So So this was their first rally as well? Yep. Awesome. So a new build, first rally, and again, once again, hooked. Yep. Awesome. You know, awesome to hear that. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to move on to some of the regional results, which, uh, so it's kind of different this year, right? You've got regionals aren't each individual day it's they they now decided to make the regional both days since most regional people tend to enter both uh days anyways uh what's your thoughts on kind of this uh regional change because you're a person that normally enters in as a regional competitor yeah at first i hated it and then i had it explained to me i mean you got the restart rule just like nationals right yeah one of the things that has always helped me out and it helped out some regional guys is if you have a bad luck on Friday, okay, regroup, come back Saturday and you get a clean slate. Well, we also argue about the super rally rule saying, no, you, you got to complete all the stages. So it's kind of works both ways. And, and after it was explained to me, yeah, I, I, I think I like it now. Um, oh, a convert. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it easier for the organizers, makes it easier for results. It does. And maybe maybe adds a little bit more legend to the regional rallies, you know. I'm sitting here looking at some trophies on my wall and, and yeah, there's a lot of events where I got the first night or I got the second day, but I didn't get both of them. Um, yep. Now you're going to have to have string together one solid event to get that trophy. So I think it'll mean, mean a little bit more. I mean, and, uh, it helps, it, like, push consistency over just a burst in one day, right? 
The only the only thing that concerned me was the way the rule was written. Um, the regional rally uh, can be up to 100% of the distance of the national. And that's what spooked me is uh, I know a lot of the events up in Canada, their regional rallies finish two to three stages before the national rally does. And, right. and I, I didn't like the possibility of that. So that's why I, I protested it right away. And, and they said, well, everybody's going to do 100% for now. And I'm like, okay, as long as it stays that way, I'll be fine. But, um, yeah, I don't I mean, like I, I mean, I get it. You, I mean, you're paying for stage miles, and you want to get as many as you potentially can get, provided you finish. I've seen uh, so far all the supplemental regulations for the events so far in the U.S. for 2019 look great. So um, I can talk about rhetorical questions, or I can just put my thumb up and say, this works, and uh, hopefully it keeps working in the future. So, cool. So again, similar with the regionals, we uh, we don't have really a separate award for open four wheel drive, and really there weren't very many regional open four wheel drives. So overall, in the regional results, we had number eight eight seven, a naturally aspirated four wheel drive car, uh, the two point five RS of Jimmy uh, Palazzari and uh, Kate Stevens coming out on top there. Yep, a uh, great team. Jimmy Pelizzari, he's actually a writer at Auto Week magazine. Oh, that's where I recognize the name. I knew I recognized it somewhere. Yep, and then Kate is his girlfriend, and she's actually a chemistry teacher in inner city Detroit. She works in a, a pretty pretty rough neighborhood. but So... That's how they relax is go go ride in rally cars. And Jimmy, we've been racing together for a lot of years, and he had, actually had a Mazda 323 GTX, the old light little yes. four-wheel drive car. we've got a couple of those out west, and they're unfortunately rare, but they're a cool, cool car. Yeah, the, the problem he had was he was getting faster and faster, and the faster you went, the faster you would explode the transmissions. <laughs> so it was like... Man, I was really good for seventy-five percent of that rally, but he just couldn't get to the finish. And he took—he bit the bullet and built a Subaru, and he's been getting faster and faster. And now he's got his first overall win, and major props to those two. Uh, they're not a scratch on the car. Ah, uh, that's the way to do it. Like I said, slow is fast. Uh, keep it out of the snowbanks, as you said, and uh, a great, great result for those two. Um, yeah, way to go, Jimmy. Love his support of Rally and then having it in the Auto Week. Uh, that that's really really cool. And and having his uh, <laughs> having his girlfriend out there, that's pretty cool. Um, hopefully she's hooked on it as well. Yep, she's been co-driving for a few years, so she's cool. she's fully committed. Second overall, the number four four zero Outback Sport uh, little uh, Impreza by Jacob Bryant and Stephen Stewart. Yep, this is actually Fervor, F-E-R-V-O-R, Rally Sport. Really cool team. Um, you might have seen pictures, but these guys actually had huge cardboard cutouts of their faces. I did see this picture, yes. And then I also seen a picture of their service crew standing out in a snowbank when it was 18 below at night. It must have been after the event, but um, stripped down in their boxer shorts, holding these humongous faces Great guys, great personality. Um, being the Impreza Outback Sport, not a ton of horsepower, but obviously showing a, a ton of driver skill by putting it on the box and on the snow and ice where 
skill overcomes horsepower every every time. So that's really cool for those guys. And then uh, third in the overall ended up being the open four-wheel drive car, uh, the only one kind of in the, in the regionals there, uh, the 92 Mitsubishi Eclipse of Eric Carlson and uh, Camille Carlson. And that's another father-daughter team. Um, Eric Carlson was actually a co-driver for 25 years, and um, his daughter is, goes to a Michigan Tech University, and then his son, Jacob, actually is the co-driver of the Tower City Rabbit with Adam Van Dam. Oh, yeah, okay. But this Mitsubishi uh, is, uh, Eclipse, this is actually Doug Shepard's championship car from back in the 90s. It has a lizard wrap on it. No shit, oh, really? Oh, yes, that one, yeah. Yeah. Before oh. that, actually had a cheetah wrap. It looked like it was a 3D cheetah. So this car has a ton of history. Um, he was, <laughs> he's a very happy guy. He's always happy, but he was, he's never been really super fast. Like I said, he was a co-driver for 25 years. And now that he's driving, he's slowly building it up. And he started a little farther down in the pack and, he was using a couple of expletives at one of the ATCs, but he's like, these two-wheel drive cars are getting in my way and holding up the show. He's like, I can go faster, but they won't move. <laughs> <laughs> so well, to- maybe uh, he'll get seated a little bit farther up than next time around. Yep. And that's part of snowdrift, you know, keep it clean and move your way up. That's exactly it, man. Uh, so a few more of the regionals we'll go through here. Obviously, naturally aspirated four-wheel drive. We already had the, the first two there were uh, the top two in the overall. Uh, third was uh, number 221, the 2002 Outback Sport, another one of those. Uh, but Mariana Usher and Emily Schumacher. Yep, and Mariana, she, uh, previously Mariana Langosh, she got married to Nathan Usher in the off season. They had a a really cool wedding with all the rally people around. They actually had a champagne spray on top of the rally car. Uh, That's con- brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw the pictures of that. That was pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, they built her a wagon. This was her second snowdrift with it. She also did Central UP Rally. She had an interesting event. I, I know the first day she was trying to work on her handbrake turns to get her on the corner, and every time she pulled the handbrake, she'd go straight headlong into the snowbank and she admitted she actually had it in reverse before she hit the snowbank because she kept doing it so many times so <laughs> she's like yep this is what's coming <laughs> learning how to work through the understeer <laughs> yeah 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 now, now, now did she make snowdrift cookies for everybody because she made uh cookies for everybody at uh at namaji yes she did <laughs> that's awesome well i must say near and dear to your heart must be the uh Winner of the open two-wheel drive because it was Kevin Schmidt and Jay Anderson in the number 174 1986 Mazda RX-7. You got to be happy to see another RX-7 up there on the top of the podium. Yeah, I got a note from him today. Um, he goes, did you do an Imagine? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, and he said, uh, is that part of the 2019 championship or the 2018? I was like, well, it's 2019. He goes, so two RX-7s are on top of the open two-wheel drive regional championships right now? And I'm like, yeah, but there's a Tiburon in there too. So, <laughs> but he was he was very excited. He's like, "Do you know what this means?" <laughs> now, if only there'd be some Mazda contingency for you guys. Yeah, we're gonna see if we can work our way through that. We've been trying to uh, 
encourage it as much as possible with Mazda Motorsports. And Mazda's had that contingency for over 30 years, and and to not have it this year, it's it's kind of disappointing. But if we want to have value, we're going to create value. So if Mazda rally drivers want to have contingency, we're going to have to let Mazda Motorsports know that, that we need them. So fingers crossed. And then, of course, uh, second to that open two-wheel drive is, again, you mentioned it earlier, that Jeep Cherokee, number 10, they made it not only to the finish, but they made it to the open two-wheel drive podium for uh, regional. Yep, Mike Brzezicki, I believe his name is. Congratulations to those guys. Uh, and then I guess we had definitely more uh, in the limited two-wheel drive class uh, in the regionals. Number 305. Now, this is actually very impressive. Uh, fourth in regional overall was the limited two-wheel drive. So, so get that. Not just a two-wheel drive car, but a limited two-wheel drive car was fourth overall. Granted, of the regionals, but still, that's pretty damn cool. Uh, is the BRZ of Santiago Iglesias and Robert Castle. What yep. a freaking good job by those guys. And it was really fun. Uh, one, of the full, one of the things I got to enjoy, I think this was my first time spectating in four or five, five years at least, but um, I got to work up on a start line, and I was, I was taking notes, but I was watching everybody's uh, rear tires and the front tires, seeing how their differentials worked, and um, yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, you see a guy just take off and, you know, he's racing against four wheel drive cars and he's got one little tire back there spinning and, and to keep it under control and, and, and be able to finish fourth overall in a rally with, with one wheel drive. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, way to go, Santiago and uh, Robert. Great, great job. And then, of course, finishing first in limited two-wheel drive. Second to them was number 772 and fifth overall, also doing very well. Uh, 2015 Honda Fit, Stephen Olana and uh, Zach File, I guess you'd say that. Now, is this also an HPD car? Yep. Yeah, and, good old uh, Honda Performance Development. Those guys know how to finish. I actually have a really cool video and I'm, I'll post it up, but I want—I didn't want to post it until I knew I had really good uh, Wi-Fi. But these guys, uh, I believe that car even has a CVT in it. But they take off from the super special start, and it's so ridiculously slow, and they're bouncing on the rev limiter that these two guys are bouncing up and down in their belts, just trying to be silly, you know, kind of like the night at, night at the Roxbury guys with the head bob. That's <laughs> 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 just up and down. Because this car is screaming and it's bouncing. Those guys just had fun all all weekend. Every time I interviewed them, they were all smiles. So, um, yeah, you don't need 300 horsepower and four-wheel drive to have fun in rally. It is it is what you make it. Third in the limited two-wheel drive, number 85, the 87 VW Golf, Elwood and Marty. Your boys, Al. Yeah, Elwood Nimi Jr., and I just found this out the other day. It's not Pasuelo. It's Pasuelo. Pasuelo. <laughs> I've been pronouncing his name wrong for three years, and he was my crew chief. Um, but yeah, well, welcome brother. to the world of media where people end up correcting you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I just found out a couple, couple minutes before we went on air that I'm not going to talk to my brother anymore. Yeah. <laughs> He might be selling his car. <gasps> what? <laughs> well, 
Well, the thing is, is half of our, our team runs short course off-road, which is sure. you know, buggy mm-hmm. trucks and, and all that. And he got a new super buggy chassis, which is like 220 horsepower and all this good stuff. And he just needs a little bit more money to get it ready for testing at Spring Crandon. And he's like, well, this guy offered me a lot of money for the Volkswagen. And I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, you try to mentor little brothers, but sometimes they just don't. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Elwood, he's a three-tour veteran of I- Iraq and Afghanistan. And, and while he was over there was when I first started my rally career. And, and he would send me messages and he'd say, oh, go do that snowdrift rally. And he goes, I'll send you, I'll send you the entry money. Just go do it. And I'm, I'm not doing snowdrift. I'm not doing snowdrift. So when he came back and... He said, well, I'm going to get a rally car and I'll go do it. And I'm like, you go right ahead. I said, I'm not coming to help you. <laughs> so they had a they had a rough event. They really wanted to set the world on fire, but they also knew they were rookies and they had to be patient. And, and of course, Al's in the background always telling them, slow is fast, slow is fast. I, I Talking with Marty after the event, it sounds, he's like, I don't know what's up with Elwood, but he wants to win every spectator area. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't everybody? I mean, come on. It's spectator area. They got a real good uh, series of photos from Turbo, Turbo Terra where they just come flying into this snowbank headlong and they get the car stuck and Marty gets out and he's running down the course and some of these um, retired service crew guys that we used to know that they were actually, they worked with Jimmy Pelizzari probably five years ago. Um, they came running and they jumped over the snowbank and one guy bit it and he went first face first into the road and um, they picked the car up and they threw the car back on the road. And Marty had to come running back and it's just classic snow drift. And the, the pictures turned out really cool. And um, they ended up, you know, just like I told you in the beginning, they lost six or seven minutes and they finished in, <clears throat> in third in class and right about six or seven minutes out of first. <laughs> A couple other uh, shout outs. I want to know how they did. Um, Speaking of kind of the veterans kind of thing, how did uh, Phoenix Project with, uh, was it uh, Glenn Ray and Leo Hughes? How'd they do? Um, They had a rough event. They spent a lot of time here, there, and everywhere. I think they pulled out some teams. I don't think they had the results they wanted. I know the first night they, I think Leo said he was a lot faster than he was the the year previous. But uh, snowdrift has a way of biting you. Just when you get confident is when you when you're gonna screw up and get stuck. I think mm-hmm. that was their situation. But they were they were all smiles all weekend and uh, yeah, good report for the Phoenix Project. Check it out. Yeah, that's that that's just a great crew there and awesome part of the Rally family and, and love their whole thing they're doing with Phoenix Project and uh, supporting veterans and stuff. Uh, another one, uh, Amanda Skelly and. Uh, was it Amanda uh, Feistel? Oh, Amy, that's what it was, not Amanda, as, as a co-driver? Yep. She was previously the chairman of the Sandblast Rally over on the East Coast. Amy was. How, how did their event go? Actually, uh, one time they were leaving service, and I was doing interviews and such, and I turned around, and something didn't look quite right. <laughs> their rear brakes had locked up, and they were dragging their service tarp all the way across the... <laughs> the uh, control zone so i went running and and dove on their on their tarp and tried to drag it out from underneath the car and luckily two other guys helped me but um the temperatures were so cold that the rear brake calipers had frozen shut 
while she was in service. So oh, wow. everything was wow. went to leave and the rear brakes were locked up. Other than that, I believe she drove to the event from down uh, Detroit way a few hours away, drove to the event, competed. Um, I think she had a crew of like seven or eight people um, always bringing in new blood. She's very, very good for, you know, Noble Star Rally team, always getting new people involved. So that was really cool. But yeah, I don't think she had any incidents and she ended up driving it home and putting it back in the garage. Mm. That's now, awesome. And she finished uh, fourth in class. So good, congratulations on her. Yeah. And um, then there was, um, oh, I was watching out for Adam, of course, of, uh, of uh, of your 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 Tower City race team, he didn't have uh, the best outing at Snowdrift, did he? Yeah, we had we had a a prime showdown. We were really excited to see it. It would the battle of front wheel drive versus rear wheel drive. Uh, one of our good friends, Shanti Witt, he's got a BMW. Um, did really well at LSPR uh, Central UP Rally. Um, he's been getting faster and faster, and obviously Adam is Adam. He won uh, Snowdrift first place overall nationally in two-wheel drive last year. It was kind of like his coming out party before he went on the entire tour last year. And so he was coming back to defend his home turf. And he just had a horrible day one. Ended up lose, uh, forgetting to put his hood pins in after checking on a radiator oh, fan. Oh, no. The old hood pin issue. In all, I think when he started the second day, he was down 10 minutes uh, to Shanti. But then we're sitting at Exposé, and it's 24 below, and Shanti's car shuts off right in the middle of Exposé. And his crew scrambles right away, and they get the hood open, and they start going through everything. And they never did get it to restart. And what they believe happened was the fuel froze in the lines and in the fuel filter. And it burnt up the, the fuel pump just trying to push it. The pump was pushing that hard against the, the fuel. And I checked with him. He said he was running, I think, 92 or 93 octane. So the, the fuel shouldn't have froze, but it did. So mm. that was kind of a, a horrible way to end his rally. Adam, ah, it's just... It's Adam. He's a wizard on the snow and ice, and he's gotten away with it. Uh, the last three years, I was explaining to my little brother that he's had no impacts in the car. There hasn't been a dent. There hasn't been a broken anything. There's been a couple flat tires here and there, but I think I kind of jinxed him by saying that. And Oops. They tried to make, you know, they tried to make up their 10 minutes lost um, on that first stage, and it just so happened to be one of the stages that I wrecked, and you go flying down a hill. It's a little bit windy down through a valley, and then it opens up into a clear cut, and you're you're doing a long right six, maybe tightens a little bit through this clear cut, and he just never lifted, and the car started sliding, and um, the the joke I always always tease Adam is well, he's only got 85 horsepower. So every single YouTube video you've ever seen of him, he never lifts. You know, 85 horsepower, you don't have the horsepower, you, you can't lift. So that's the way he drove, was he just <clears throat> keeps the right foot planted and just fluctuates with the left foot. And uh, mm -hmm. this corner he lifted, and it bit him, and he went off. Oh, 
And there was a stump hiding in the clear cut, and it just destroyed the entire front end of the car. And the car is toast. It is not salvageable. The entire chassis is done. So, oh no, uh, I'm quite, I'm quite sad. I, I mean, I've, 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 I've sat alongside Adam in that car. That's, that's a little bit sad. That is. Yeah, and that that car actually raced back in the '90s with his mm-hmm. aunt and uncle driving it, and it's just, you know. She was a good girl, mm-hmm. but her, her time came, and so moment of silence for Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> well, Al, um, a, a crazy but awesome event, super cold, but everything that is Snowdrift, uh, if there's one thing that you're going to take away from this event, what is it? <laughs> the biggest thing was being asked to to help out the ARA media team, it's something, you know, a guy has dreams and aspirations in life, and this wasn't one of them. But once being asked, I'm like, wow, this is a really cool opportunity. And um, if I get asked to do it again, most definitely I'll do it. Yes, I'll be stressed. Yes, I'll panic. But uh, the opportunity to work with some of the best guys in the world, um, working with rally drivers and even if if I don't know them, you know, with the rally community, you talk with somebody for three minutes and they turn into your brother. They're your Mm -hmm. fan. And, uh, working with media. Um, this was my first time being media. Um, so yeah, this event will always hold a little special spot in my heart. So that's what I'm going to take away from this one. Well, Mm -hmm. thanks for doing that, Al. Um, I'm glad that we recruited you. You were the perfect pit pick and, uh, yeah, um, I, I'm sorry that we didn't get to see the live streams, but yet you still got to interact with everybody and, you know, get the stories and do all the other media stuffs uh, that are required and do the podium stuff, which, you know, that that's its own stress and yet fun uh, to mm-hmm. do. And uh, again, congratulations on doing a good job for, for what you were able to do, <laughs> especially with those conditions. That's not mm-hmm. easy stuff. So. Uh, thanks very much, and thanks for being on our podcast again to give us a rundown of the Snowdrift Rally. Uh, when are we going to see you out again? I'm ecstatic. I am registered, paid, uh, have lodging squared away. We're going to be still staying at uh, the Williams Auto Racing this compound down in Missouri for a 100-acre wood. I have Zach Rondo in the right seat. Uh, we, we worked together for Ojibwe last year. He's excited. He was our uh, Sisu Spirit Award at LSPR for destroying his brand new rally car. Um, we're hoping we, we don't do that with my car. <laughs> uh, yeah. He can destroy his car all he wants, but not your car. Uh, awesome. Guys, so that's, that's where I'll be next. Um, yeah, it's looking like it's going to be a really big turnout right now. I think there's 40 cars. I'm expecting 30 to 40 more. So I'm, I'm, I'm predicting 75 cars will take the start. Is this the farthest away event you've been to then? Yep. I've done uh, Michigan and Minnesota, and now we're going to go down to Missouri. So I'm hoping for 70s and sunny. Maybe we'll bring, uh, well, well, we'll leave the Speedo at home. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see you in a Speedo, man. What we've got to do, Mike, before we get off the subject of Snowdrift totally, is we've got to acknowledge the fans for getting out there in sub-zero temperatures, supporting everybody 
at uh, at the stages. I mean, I've seen the great photographs from Tedrick Mealy of Bonfire Alley. I mean, superb atmosphere, superb atmospheric photographs there. And there was a video of one of the spectator stages. Is the one in a quarry or something? And they there's fans are lining the. Uh, the entire the, edge uh, of that thing. Yeah, the entire edge of that thing. It's absolutely fantastic. Rally fans are incredible to go out in that temperature and watch gar- watch us race cars. I mean, fantastic guys, fantastic fans. Yeah, it was really cool. I went went to a uh, spectator or an unofficial spectator spot with my media pass and uh, went to spin my truck around and got it stuck in the middle of the road. Uh, kind of like in a little Austin Power, Powers deal where I had a bank in front of me and a bank behind me. And some <laughs> spectators came and hooked up their truck and pulled me out and told them to hop in the back of the truck. And I drove them right up to the front of the banner tape for helping me out. And um, I got there early enough and I was able to get to the inside of the hairpin corner. And I got there and uh, there was a bunch of retired rally drivers there that I had competed with earlier in my career. And, they're like, hey, how's it going, Al? It's like, whoa, what are you guys doing here? Just completely random. So that was really cool. And of course, they had, um, they had a, their fires going, and they had coolers with sausages and jerky and all the all the fixings. So it, when I was out there by myself for a few hours, I I, I pulled through. I, I had the heart of a champion. <laughs> there you go. Again, Snowdrift lived up to everything that makes it what it is. It is a special event, braving all conditions. And, yeah, congratulations to everybody that just made it to the end. Um, And even those that didn't. uh, You know, such a challenging event, and it's just so cool that there's so many that go out there and experience it. Uh, I've got to get it on my calendar at some point. Couldn't make it happen this year, but I couldn't think of a better person that was uh, able to be there in my stead. So, uh, I'm glad you were there and had some fun, and we will see you at Hundred Acre Wood. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. See you later, Al. Yep. Well, thanks again, Al Dantes Jr., for being on the show and talking about the Snowdrift Rally, but we're going to move on, and Ian and I are going to talk about another event that happened this last weekend, and it is the Monte Carlo Rally. First event yep. of the WRC for 2019 and it was everything I think we expected it to be. You know, drier conditions, I guess, but still some snow on the top. Uh, what a close finish, though. Man, that was freaking spectacular. Uh-huh, yep. This is the uh, closest Monty finish ever, I believe. They said uh, Ogier wins for the seventh time, and he beat Newville by 2.2 seconds. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... um. It was, it was, and it went right, basically it went right down to the wire, didn't it? Because at the uh, at the end of, um, at the start of the final stage, stage 16, Ogier had a lead of 0.4, four tenths of a second yep, over Newville. four tenths, just and, four uh, tenths. Just four tenths, because he claimed he had uh, a throttle response problem that had, um, that he'd had issues with the car on Sunday morning, so... Uh, yeah, I don't know whether that was really happened or whether Ogier was actually playing mind games with Newville. But uh, yeah, it went from four tenths of a second at uh, the start of uh, the final stage to like 2.2 second win for Ogier. 
at the at the end of the event. So yeah, it was an exciting final stage to watch. Uh, you know, I was definitely glued to it. I wish I could have seen a little bit more of the onboards of mm-hmm. the uh, Nouville and Ogier because yeah. those were the two we were all wanting to watch and what was going on for uh, the battle for third place. Mm-hmm. So there's still a pretty uh, close battle there, but it, it it is Monty. It's got so many challenging things. Uh, as, they, as they always say, regardless of what tire you choose, it's going to be the wrong one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, the, 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 the um, perfect example of that was uh, right at the very start of the event, stage one. Nouville went out on all all super softs, didn't he? Whereas everybody else had studded tires, or they had a mix of studded and super soft. He went out on all 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 round super softs, and uh, he and he finished stage one sixteen seconds behind Ogier. Mm-hmm. Now, if he'd gone with studded tires or a mix of studs and super softs. What what if that gap to Ogier had only been ten seconds or five seconds? You know, the result would have been the could have, the result could have been reversed at the end of the event. Newville could have won it just because he'd tried to be brave with his tires on the first stage. I mean, tire choice. True, very well could have been that. And but it's also about how you manage those tires mm-hmm. too. And and I think that the studs were the right choice because there was snow on top on that yeah. stage, right? Um, there's definitely these icy patches. And what happens is, is the studs wear off. Yeah. So, you know, you start out in the dry and some of your studs are going to wear off just right at the beginning before you even get to the snow. Mm-hmm. Um, then as you go over the top of the coal, you're going to lose more studs. And essentially, as you're coming down the bottom back side of it, you don't have that many studs left. So you're, and then the preceding stage after that, you're almost back to being a soft tire anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think with, with them shedding so many studs as they do, it was kind of more the obvious choice in this case. It was actually mm-hmm. rather shocking that uh, Neuville took that gamble, but that's also part of Monty. Yeah. You, you don't win unless you gamble. Um, if everybody chooses the same thing all the time, it's very hard to win that rally. And, um, you know, one of the best at that is Sebastian Loeb, who, you know, ended up uh, running in third place for a long time because of tire choice, you know, and yeah. and taking the risks when he needed to. Just a brilliant drive by, uh, gosh, you, you can almost call him the old man now, but I shouldn't say that because he's my age. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that experience that Loeb has and such little experience in that car. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was so spectacular to see him do so well in the hyundai and, and didn't he make a point of like telling everybody in in the interviews you know they they asked him like how much experience have you got in this car and he was said oh one test session and that's about it so and, and by the way just returned back from dakar yeah had to deal with a bit of jet lag so um also you have to think about you know daniel's not the smallest guy anymore that's a little no. bit different no. too. I, I, I had to chuckle, and I bet you chuckled too. Did you? You must have seen that picture of uh, Daniel Elena ch- checking the tire pressures on uh, oh, on one of them. <laughs> and there he's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And you know, we talk with co-drivers, and we talk to like people like Rhiannon and Alex, and they are huge on the fitness regime of co-drivers. And there's this guy. 
a quality co-driver and a with with a multiple world champion alongside him and he's there got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and his his his, his racing suit looks like it's about to burst i guess let's kind of just kind of go through the teams a little bit mm-hmm. um, yeah toyota uh i think that car was the most dominant car regardless of oj winning mm-hmm. oj we knew was going to probably win this event yeah home rally yeah. um if there's anybody that can six... adapt to the changing conditions yeah. and and make the right tire choices, it's going to be him. But as far as just all-out performance of a vehicle, I think that Toyota was on top. Yep, I'm not going to disagree with you there because uh, Tanak, he he won six stages in a row on, from Saturday afternoon through till Sunday morning, didn't he? He was yeah. fastest on six stages in a row. I mean, there's another another, another example of how things could have been different. You know, he uh, broke a wheel rim on Saturday, didn't he? And that cost him two and a half minutes to, to change that. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's like his rally you think is done at that point. Yeah. Still um, was able to come back and get a podium. Yeah. So, I mean, if he, if he hadn't had that incident with the wheel, he could have won. I mean, this, uh, it's, that's, that's Monte Carlo for you. You've, to finish first, first you got to finish, and all that. The old cliches. But yeah, sure. Tanak did great. And then Meek as well. Chris Meek had a great performance, didn't he? He did. Um, you know, granted, you know, he had issues also with the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the wheels. Um, yeah. So if there's a, a weak point, they need to, you know, maybe address that. But again, money's just hard. You know, you, you take the risks on the cuts and things mm-hmm. like that, and stuff happens. Yeah. So, so maybe yeah, it, it isn't a specific thing. weakness. They'll look at that. But yeah. Um. But when he was on it, the thing is, is he didn't seem stressed. He seemed no. relaxed. He seemed, and when he's relaxed, he is probably, you know, the fastest driver out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, but, for sure. I mean, he's uh, he he did. He certainly seemed very relaxed at some of those uh, some of those uh, end stage interviews, especially at the uh, the power stage. I mean, he was really really pleased with himself there wasn't he but uh you know going back to uh oit tanak i he was the driver of the rally for me mm-hmm. i mean yes to, to come back like he did to stay focused not get rattled mm-hmm. he's the guy to watch out for for this championship i think oh I, uh, I would like to disagree with you but i can't you know i think uh i think we both agree that he's i think it's his title to to lose this year I really do, but uh, well, you, you can remind me about that. What I'm saying there in December, when when I'm either right or wrong. <laughs> <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Um, so let's move on and uh, talk about. So we talked about Meek. We talked about Tanak. Uh, uh, what about Latvala? Latvala. Yeah. He. Um, go ahead. An, 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 an enigmatic running of Monte Carlo for him, I think. I mean, he was battling with with uh, Loeb for most of the event wasn't he what, what was that for fifth or fifth or sixth was it yeah and i don't know yeah um, fifth. yeah fourth and he fifth. didn't have any major issues no um, but he he said that um he had uh did he have an incident in the with the car in a testing session and he said uh, he said this at the end of uh, end of the event and the finish yeah, line. Yeah, kind of thrown him off. But yeah, you know, he, the thing is, he, was... he had said like he'd had the car set too soft for himself, mm-hmm. and then he said it's it was set too firm. Too hard. And, yeah. Uh, I, you know, he's his own worst enemy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as much as I adore Latvala, he is so good with fans and he's so passionate about the sport. He gets in his own head and I, I don't see him as ever becoming champion. No. I think he's still a great support driver. I think he'll give good points to the team overall. He's just got to get out of his own head. Yeah, yeah. He did seem he did seem fairly honest and held his hands up at the end there and said, "Yeah, it was my fault." Yeah. So he did seem a bit more relaxed. He was certainly more relaxed than he could have been. You know, we've seen him a lot That's tighter a than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so, so maybe, maybe, maybe he's got a, a new approach this year. We'll see. Yep, we'll definitely see how that uh, turns out for him. Um, like I said, uh, you know, Meek's still uh, do- doing well enough. Uh, let's talk about Hyundai real quick. Or actually, let's go over Citroen. So we know OJ won, mm-hmm. you know, his first time in that Citroen. Uh, but we know the Citroen's good on tarmac, so it'll be yep. interesting to see it on other surfaces. But, yeah, if there's anybody that's going to get the most out of that car, it's OGA's like Loeb. hate to say it, mm-hmm. but, you know, they're going to get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened to Lappy? Yeah, that's, I was trying to find out. What did happen to Lappy? He was there. He seemed fairly happy at the end of the first day, but what did happen to him? He just disappeared. I can't... Um, he did have a mechanical issue. Uh-huh. I'm trying to remember what it was. I, I would have thought he would have come back under you know restart rules. Mm-hmm. And oh, oh, maybe... Maybe he, he didn't finish on Saturday because you, you couldn't super rally on Sunday. Okay. That's that's the rule about Monte Carlo. You can't super rally on Sunday. Apparently, it's to do with space restriction, um, space limitations outside the, uh, the the Royal Palace or the casino uh, or wherever okay. they have the uh, have the um, presentations at the end. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because so yeah, because um, we were we were very down on uh, World Rally cars. I felt for the uh, for the final stage. Yeah. We was it seemed like the final final stage certainly on the TV coverage was um, was dominated by the WRC two pro cars. We'll move on and talk about uh, Hyundai real quick. Um, Thierry Neuville coming up second, two point two seconds just shy, but he was eaten up that time from OGA throughout the day until that yeah. final stage. On that final day, there was four stages, right? So three stages and then the power stage. There is no service. There is no tire chain, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no tire fitting zone. You run what you brung. Yep. So you ain't got nothing else to go with you. And that's kind of the stress of these Sundays that they do now, right? It's really Mm -hmm. compact. They run it all together. And you've got to be, when it's that tight, you've got to push as hard as you can, yet conserve at the same time. And Mm -hmm. it makes it pretty damn challenging. So... Great job by Neuville. Again, it didn't seem like he was rattled by Ogier. 2.2 seconds, that's nothing. Yeah. I mean, these two basically are, are hammer and tongs right at it. Wow. Brilliant job by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he didn't seem upset about it. He went and congratulated Ogier. Um, good sportsmanship. The Hyundai's right there with the Citroen in performance, obviously. Um, I think maybe the Hyundai probably has more performance when it's going to come to gravel, but we'll see. And we'll see also what Loeb does when it comes yeah. to helping make that car better. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Loeb was certainly. Uh, um, I think he surprised me a little bit. Loeb did do with his performances. I was thinking maybe he would be a little bit jet lagged, but uh, no. I mean, he solid performance for 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 him. I mean, two stage wins on Saturday and uh, 
well, we were fourth overall. So yeah, you can't complain there. I mean, the the only uh, the only dark spot with um, with Hyundai, of course, was uh, Mickelson clouting a wall and uh, ripping a wheel off his car on Saturday. Oh, so man. I mean, and yeah. you saw it happen. You mm-hmm. know, I, I know I watched it, and he clouded that wall. I mean, it, it should have been flat. It should have been a you know should have put in more of a turn in there in his notes mm-hmm. and uh, his own mistake. He admitted to it, but. I mean, he was just done right there, and yep. uh, he had a good rally going behind him, but I'm starting to wonder about Mickelson. I mean, he, he shows these moments of brilliance, but keeps making yeah. like little stupid mistakes like this. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes throughout the rest of the season, but uh, it didn't really help the point situation for uh, Hyundai as a team. No, no, but it's yeah. Well, it's it's early days yet, and Monte Carlo is a is a law unto itself, and of course, then we're next up is Sweden, and that's a law unto itself. So, it's going to be a few a few rallies yet before we can start to see how the the situation is, how the how the season is going to play out. So that's very true, very true. You know, the first mm-hmm. ones are definitely special. Monte, yeah. Sweden, the high and dry of Mexico. So. Yeah. But, but however badly we think that was the real letdown for the event for everybody, I think it must have been M Sport. Oh, <sighs> right, right from painful. the yeah, right from the get go. What was it? Half a dozen corners into stage one, Sunanen, team of Sunanen goes straight on. Yeah, and um, Pontus Tiedemann, he had a wishbone failure on Friday. So he ended up super rallying on uh, for the rest of the event. And then that was that huge crash of Elvin Evans on the Saturday where he was going going through a, a slightly windy piece, piece of road that had a steep drop off with trees on one side. And he just kind of like clipped, clipped the edge of the tarmac where the... Uh, where the slope was falling away yeah, and just sucked him down, yeah, sucked couldn't him get down, couldn't on. get back on. I mean, Tanak almost went off in the same spot, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Was a, the, the footage of that, you could see how just dangerous that quarter was. There's a little bit of yeah. black ice, I guess. And mm-hmm. if your car was just two inches the wrong way in that spot, uh, you were going to probably end up just like Evans. And uh, it was unfortunate for him. Uh, he was definitely doing some good stage times on Saturday, mm-hmm. on that yep. day. And yeah. I was expecting him to start moving up through the field And as he got more comfortable. It uh, didn't happen, and he went off and feel bad for him. But, yeah, that made M-Sport not have a very good weekend. Well, the the, the real bright spot for M-Sport, of course, was um, WRC2 Pro, where Gus Greensmith won quite easily, really. That's true. Now, great job by WRC2 Pro. Um, and throw something in there. We had um, Antoine Lestage was mm-hmm. the uh, gravel crew yep. for Gus Greensmith. So we must say it was North America that helped Gus Greensmith win <laughs> yep. the mm-hmm. WRC2 Monte Carlo 2019. There we go. There you go. There, <laughs> we'll there throw that out there. Our, there's our link to um, – there's the open paddock link to the Monte Carlo result. Yeah. <laughs> We only, right. we only just a few weeks ago did we did we talk to Antoine Lestage about this. So. Indeed, yeah. and uh, yeah. super excited that he's able to help that team out and mm-hmm. uh, go, you know, global and and do more stuff. Well, heck, just say it right now. Um, 
coming up for uh, Personage, which is going to be coming up this weekend. Uh, him and Alan Ockwell are going to be driving an older Subaru, but they got to drive with, um, oh gosh, what is it, uh, Subi Works or something like that? Um, swap Shop. Or... Swap Shop, that's what it is. That's it, yeah. And uh, they, you know, Subaru Parts Shop, and they have a Subaru they're going to be entering into Personage, so... Yay! Congratulations <laughs> to them. Great to see them back yeah, out yeah, doing yeah. some rallying. So yeah, and one 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 guy we should really mention, of course, is uh, Cali Rovenpera, who mm-hmm. uh, also he was competing in uh, WRC two, and uh, he <laughs> quite um, amazingly crashed off on stage one in the exact same location as Timu Sunanen. Well, not only did he crash off at the same spot, he went to the back yeah. of Timu Sunanen. <laughs> And yep. broke his lights mm-hmm. and uh, for those night stages. And when he he did get back going again. Yes, yeah. Very, very slowly with no lights in the dark of Monte Carlo. I mean, it's and, like I was I was watching watching the guys through the uh, the in car footage of those the coverage that those those driving lights give you on a stage. It's daylight. It's absolutely incredible. And to to drive on like what he was driving, what Robin Perry was driving on, which was probably just one headlight. I don't know, looking at it, but uh, yeah, incredible. You know, that's kind of just a, a quick wrap up of uh, Diversi Monte Carlo. Um, I, I, I was just going to say, what did Monte Carlo teach us? For me, it just showed once again, the top drivers from last year are still the top drivers going into this year. And I don't see anyone else challenging those three for the championship, let alone even a one-off event. Um, yeah. Maybe Loeb could win one or something like that here, or maybe Mickelson, who's done well in Sweden before, or mm. something like that. But it's it's pretty tough. I mean, yeah. Ogier, Tanak, and Neuville, they are tops right now, and I don't see how anyone can get within a mile of those, those guys. No, I, I, I agree entirely. I mean, I've already hammered my colors to the to the wall and said that uh, Tanak is going to going to win this year but uh, yeah it's going to be uh, it is going to be very tight and uh, those those three could ha- when it comes to Australia they could just be like separated by a handful of points and winning that event is going to find is going to going to decide the world title but uh, yeah it's very much business as usual right now people have just some people have just moved to different car well just one person's moved to a different car so uh... ian any last words yes if you'll if you'll let me plug something yes scott parrot and i are now officially three triangles rally sports win the white chevy truck and we now have a social media presence we are on both Facebook and Instagram. You can find us on Facebook as Three Triangles Rally Sport and on Instagram as the number three and Triangles Rally. And that's all lowercase. Uh, yep, we are making the foray into social media. So uh, give us a like, give us a follow. And when you're out on stage, share your pictures with us. We'd that love to see them. awesome. Uh, so through triangles. Hopefully, you don't have to get the triangles out. At well, we we don't want. We've already got the triangles out too many times. Exactly. It's exactly. probably that is the reason why we have the name basically. But hopefully, no more triangle usage this year. 
Just for marketing purposes. Just it's just for marketing purposes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome stuff. Um, again, want to thank Al Dante's Junior for being on the show and talking about Snowdrift. And uh, one thing we mentioned just briefly er- earlier, there's some awesome photos by Tedrick Mealy Photography. Uh, he was the event photographer for ARA. If you want to see more of those photos, uh, just Google Tedrick Mealy Photography or go to his website. Uh, that is www.tmealyphoto.com. So that's T-M-E-A-L-Y photo.com. Amazing pictures from the event. Not just of the cars, but also of the people, the event environment, the uh, bonfires and the excitement. Tedrick really embodied everything in his imagery of what makes Snowdrift what it is. And it's just brilliant just looking through the few photos he posted so far. He's still editing them and has more to go up. Just make sure you follow him on Facebook and on Instagram. Amazing imagery. So uh, make sure you do that. Uh, He's also been an open paddock photographer. So, yes, shameless plug. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, that's the end of this week's show. Remember, you can subscribe to this show on Podbean, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or search your favorite podcast app. We're also on all your popular social media platforms and now offer our shows on YouTube as well. If you prefer to listen there, Uh, please subscribe, tell a friend, give us a like and a share. All that stuff really does help us out. It's, It's a huge, huge help. I'm your host, Mike Shaw for Ian Holmes. Thanks for listening, everybody.